0: My name is Danny. I am an alcoholic. Thank you. This is great. Um, thank you, Terry, for showing up. And you brought some friends. Both Marissa, right? Okay. And we brought up, we drove up Tommy. Thank you. Thank you. And my best man at the wedding was here, Travis. And uh, my wife, I brought my wife with me. So she kind of goes with me wherever I go now, keeps me in line. Um, My sobriety is June 18th, 1996. I know you guys might think I have like 30 days or so, but you know, but I've been sober a while. Uh, might not act like it. Sometimes I'm kind of still like a child. Um, I do, I make mistakes constantly and, um, God, so much to say, but I don't know what to say, but, um, I just want to thank God. Um, I think for me with time, um, I develop more of a relationship with God and uh, I don't have to worry as much about stuff. And it's funny because things have changed a lot because Lynn worries a lot about stuff. And I'm like, Lynn, you don't have to worry, you know, and um, she used to be the one that used to tell me you're always worrying all the time. So, um, but with time, I think for me has been that relationship with God and developing that over and over in time. And um, I think for me um, as a child, just to get off of, you know, I was maybe three years old and my parent, my parents said, don't go to the medicine cabinet. Don't go, don't go inside. And, you know, obviously I'm going to go inside. And what I found was vitamin C chewables. And I took one and one tastes good. And I like the effect produced by it. So I did the whole bottle (laughs) and the next one I know I had my stomach pumped and my first overdose as a young child. And as a young child, what I could tell you what I, I remember is that I was very anxious I was very, felt nervous, shy. Um, I was in fear of my parents a lot because my mother wouldn't really let me out of the house a lot. My dad was always, they were always fighting a lot and yelling. And, um, it just it brought fear. It's like I don't think a family should be like yelling all the time, right? I mean Terry's my nephew, he bit my face once and I like I had that resentment for years. I was trying to hold him as a child and like bit me and, and I dropped you. I dropped him on his head. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that. So um, but like we grew up. There was a lot of fighting and like my, my our parents argued all the time, you know, like fighting, arguing, arguing. So I kind of grew up in arguing, everybody argued let's all fight, you know? And, and, um, it just wasn't, it felt, it felt like it was very uncomfortable, you know, felt very uncomfortable. Um, I stuttered a lot. Like I had a stuttering problem and I don't think I, and that was probably brought by fear, but also too, I was born really early. I was born premature. So my vocal cords weren't tied properly. And, um, I just, I, I saw, I saw words, different you know and i've always put my, my dad would say i'd put my shoes down like the opposite like i always like put stuff i always had things always switched around and i didn't know what that was i thought there was just something wrong with me and that's how i felt i was always thought there was something wrong with me um i felt like in school like i wanted to wear glass my glasses so i could see right but i didn't because people would make fun of you and growing up, people would make fun of you, right? They just they just would like kids are mean. So I didn't wear my glasses. And I I would try to cheat or just try to get by in school, not learn because I was so prideful. And I don't even know what that word was. I don't think kids know what pride, I didn't know what prideful was. Um, I was so prideful and so insecure that I didn't want you to make fun of me. So I didn't wear the wear the glasses. I would just go with it. And but there was one thing about me that I like to do was after school, is that the big kids lived, had this, like, I went to a Catholic school, and there was a a public school over here, and then for some reason, the public school kids would love to chase us after school, and for some reason, I liked to be chased. That feeling was pretty, pretty going, like, I would just, like, it, it just, it gave me something, you know, it gave me some type of feeling, like, the syndrome, right, like, it just, it was exciting to escape and that they can never catch me. And I remember and I was telling my son, because my son, I, mean, I drive him to school all the time. And I remember when I was in kindergarten that I ran not to take the bus. Like I ran to the school to beat the bus. That was like the big thing, right? To beat the bus. Because I just like that feeling that I got. I'm, I'm searching for a feeling, right? That I was trying to get this feeling. I didn't know what it was. But growing up, you know, made fun a lot, like teased a lot, you know. Um, I had older brothers that I thought were like the greatest things ever, you know, and they weren't there. And um, I remember, I think it was Pat. He left one day and I told my mom that I'm leaving and I left. (laughs) I like left home to go look for my brother that left. And, you know, the cops found me, you know, uh, hours away. And, They knew who I was because my parents were kind of, we were kind of, I kind of grew up really rich, you know, growing up, but later it wasn't that, I wish it was like later, but it was, you know, growing up, I was growing up in this wealthy family and uh, we always, I always had stuff, but I was always like sheltered, like very sheltered. Um, I had this make-believe friends. I don't know if you guys had make-believe friends, but I did. My friend was named Mike, and we did a lot of things together. <laughs> we, we played tennis, we played football, we built sports. And, and I remember as a child, like, and there was like this little happy place that you are, like you're eating, like you're watching Flintstones, you're eating uh, cereal, and you're just happy as a child, you know, and your parents are arguing, but you're just happy, right? And then, and then all suddenly, like uh, 12, 13, your hormone starts changing, things change, right? And I remember this feeling that I've never had that feeling again, like eating cereal and watching TV and being happy as a child. And uh, my parents got divorced and, um, and it was a really weird thing. It was like I was playing tennis, I got really good in sports, so I was a good tennis player. And if I played tennis good, then I felt like people could like me. Like I I wanted to achieve in things so people would like me. It was all about being liked, you know, how I looked and really kind of like what you thought of me. That was so important. And I didn't know that that would lead to like other things that I was trying to fill up this void thing that I had. And you would think going to Kafka school that I would have this great relationship with God. But the only relationship that I had growing up with God was basically I was in fear of God, that he was going to punish me, and I was never good enough. That's how I felt. Like, that's really how I felt. I mean, I will tell you that over and over. I would take a lie detector test, but that's how I was raised. You know, the nuns beat me. They beat me. Blood came out of me. They hit me. And I just laughed because I, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but when I got hurt. I laughed because it was humor. I—it's sad to say, but when there's humor, like sometimes when someone falls, I start laughing. Like I I just—I bring relate to that, right? Humor in pain, like make it funny, you know. And um, that's why sometimes when we do share like crazy, like stories, then people start laughing, you know, like because we relate to that. And so. And I haven't even drank yet. I should be drinking a long time ago, maybe first, second grade. It would probably ease out the pain, you know, but you know, um, I haven't really spoken in meetings in a while. I've been doing a lot of like outreach in schools, trying to educate kids about drugs and alcohol prevention. And I've been doing that solid for like six years. And I got to tell you, it's, it's a tough road. You know, you bring them in there. I brought in addicts in and I've, I've done so many different types of things, celebrities, and just trying to motivate, to motivate these kids. And I really realized, you know, that we're all on our own path here. And Jay, it's so great that you have 20 days of sobriety. And it's so good to see you, Steve, from the old days, you know, and it's, we're on our own path and our own journey with God. You know and i am on my own path and my own journey with god and so is everybody else and i used to have a problem so much with my son a lot with my ex-wife and like what's going on and trying to control and i realized that my son's on his journey with god and so is she and i could just be the best parent that i can and i think lynn has done that too she has done that so well to demonstrate that with my son. And I got to tell you a couple of things about Lynn really quick, I want to to not forget, but but her drinking thing was crazy because she didn't drink a lot, but she would just drink that much, that much would just throw her off, just that much. You could just tell. And then like, I would like, which way are we going now, Lynn? Cause like, she would say like, we're going this way now. I go, which way? Cause you know, the alcoholic, we go with, they kind of go that way one day. The, sec- the next day they go that way and you go that way. And I remember the shower one day, I was like saying, I go, Lynn, which way are we going now? What direction now? And she's like, well, we're going to go this direction. And it's funny because we don't have to live that way anymore, you know, and like what direction that we're going. And um, it's so good that we have AA to share and we share a relationship with God too. And I think what has helped us in, in our relationship is that we both um, our equal partners in our relationship with God. And we bring that together. And we never did that before because it was kind of like, well, she's kind of like my higher power because she knows all the God things. So whenever she does something wrong and then I blame it all on her, you know, we, we did this for so many years until we just figured it out. You know, we just went through so much. Um, and that's our testimony of what we've done. And, um, so my drinking hasn't even started yet, but it's getting ready to go, you know. Uh, so so basically what happened was that everybody's drinking. And I remember the near beer was going around and, and then I started playing football a little bit. And all the coaches would have all beer. And then I I, I did not want to drink. I did not want to drink I prefer a chocolate milkshake, OK, but I just wanted to fit in so bad with people. You know, I just wanted to fit in. So we started out with the near beers, you know, drinking the near beers thinking, oh, this is so cool. I just kind of wanted to do something naughty, but I didn't know if I was going to do something like naughty. I just wanted to do something, you know, and I remember guys were trying to like, like, I used to pretend to be loaded at school. When I, when my went to Catholic school, then we went, we moved and then I started hanging out with surfers. So in eighth grade, I went to Marco Forrester and I remember a lot of people were smoking weed. So I wanted to hang out with them, but I pretend pretend I was stoned like I used to act like, like oh I'm so stoned like so cool but I, I didn't want to be stoned. I just wanted to hang out with people you know I just wanted to be a part of it but I'm all like have I have this isn't thing going on be like I'm all like I need to be more of everything like I just like it um yeah pretend to do all this and then I wanted to fit in and I want to do this. I want to drink. And then this one day at the bus stop, this guy named David Lee, this is funny. This is, this is a true story. So David Lee, David Lee was this guy that I knew I went to high school with and He was the cool surfer dude. And he had like a, a peppermint s- s- snobs So we had it at the bus stop. So he gave us awesome. And that, you know, that feeling was like, it was like, that cough syrup, that stronger. And it gave me that, that tummy, it gave me that warm feeling and everything that I felt like just started to go away. Everything I felt growing up, everything around me, things just changed. And I kind of wanted that feeling again. So it was kind of like over and over at parties. Like, Hey, can I have some of that? Can I have some of that? And it's just kind of, and then I started to become popular because this, let me tell you about David really quick. So Dave, so so Dave is the one that gave me my first alcohol. And then later, this is like four years ago, I met UPS getting a donation for my charity. And then I see David driving the UPS truck, driving by And I go, David, hey. He goes, hey, Danny. I go, that's the guy that gave my first, al- my first alcohol. It was really funny because it was a true story. And there was David driving by the truck because he was working for UPS. And um, it was funny. But um, <laughs> he was a cool dude. But I wanted to be like David, you know. And then later, you know, the alcohol and drinking, and then I didn't know how to control it. Like a drink, drink, and I want more of it. And it seemed like in high school, I started becoming popular because I was a good surfer. I was on the surf team and I wanted to go to parties. And I wanted, it seemed like, and I didn't know Lynn because Lynn was the educated type of girl. She was doing the right thing. And we were just, we were a bunch of, surfers at San Clemente High School. And I wanted to be on the surf team freshman year. I couldn't make it. And I surfed and I surfed and I tried and I tried. And sophomore year, I was the top, top three surfer at San Clemente High at that period of time. And then I became a captain in my senior year. And I was really good at surfing. And I was really good. And I always kind of had this gift of connecting people with people. I'm just really good at it. And we would have parties. I'd have these crazy parties at my mom's house and tell my mom to go away. And then we would just have busted old girls show up. And it was just like those movies, like the keg and people drunk. And I just thought that was really fun. It was exciting, it was fun. And I didn't know that there was any consequences yet. It was just like a part of just like growing up in high school. And this was like, and I graduated in 1981 and I varsity in tennis and I varsity in surfing. And I just, was kind of like a popular guy. I kind of like peaked in high school. And then in the, in the 80s, we all know what 80s brought, right? Okay. a Lot of drugs.
1: And I didn't know really about that other white
0: powder stuff that was happening that was around. But for some reason, I had a, a guy that was one of my close friends. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of people that I did some weird stuff on that stuff, but... but um, <laughs> There was a guy that actually brought it. He was a surfer guy. And, you know, and I go, I want to be like this guy. And he had it and he gave me some and I did it. and I did more of it. And I just like, was crazy. And I was telling everybody I was doing cocaine and I was just thought it was so, because, you know, it's so fun. You're just doing it. and You're talking, and you're talking. And, and then later I'm going out and I'm hanging out with girls in jacuzzis and telling them how great I look and I'm surfing, and then I go, I don't want to surf anymore. I want to be a dancer, and I want to go nightclubbing. I saw Michael Jackson's video, Billie Jean, and that got me on MTV. You guys don't know about Some don't know what MTV was, but when MTV came out, I go, I want to be a star, and I started, I got out of what I was doing. I started like going nightclub. I was a nightclubber. I, I knew where every nightclub was every night i was going out somewhere where it was exciting and it was fine we were dancing and doing a little drinking and then doing drugs a little bit not much and then all suddenly it just it just got faster and faster and it just started going faster and and i was doing it i was wanting to be a drug dealer and i thought that was cool and it didn't work, work out for more i was one of those guys that would buy it bring it home then I'd do it and then people come knocking on the door and I'd hide. i hide i'm hiding and i'm hiding <laughs> it was bad it was bad i was measuring furniture because it was moving i was was digging holes in the walls i think i saw somebody in there the white the white the white van when i got out of the house i'd run to the car get in the car i thought the white van was following me you know and it was just it was bad i got i went nuts in my head you know so that didn't really end really well so so this period of time the dancing, I got fat, got really fat. I couldn't dance in these clubs anymore. I was Mr. Hot, Hot Buns for a couple of years, <laughs> dancing in clubs, and thought it was cool. But I got really fat. I was drinking. I broke my leg because I got a fight in a bar doing karate on the stage. They took me away in an ambulance, you know. And I go, "I'm gonna get you guys. I'm gonna get you know how like because they got me strapped down. I can't get anybody. But I'm threatening everybody in the club that I'm gonna you know do it. And I. So that was really pretty much, I was hitting bottom, but not really yet, but that was it of everything. And from that moment on, it was like, I got fat, I got really overweight and I was drinking a lot and I was trying to go to meetings because I got a DUI, I had to go and I, then I got another DUI and then I got a possession charge and then I pissed on, I peed on a police car at the red onion one night and i got no i got in trouble for that i had to pay a ticket for that and um i just i was just a mess you know i was just this young kid that wanted to be liked by people right i just wanted to be liked and i just wanted to be liked and have relationships and feel love right that's but here i am just doing all this crazy stuff so um I remember there was a guy named Bill Wimber, which Steve knows. Bill Bill Wimber was kind of like my dad type. And um, he he died in, I believe it was 801 or 102. Okay. So I remember I was sitting with Bill in the car one night and he was driving me because I didn't have a car. I lost my license. So I was riding a bike and I was living at my mom's. So Bill was in the car. And I'm like telling Bill like all my problems. And he was, I don't, Bill looked at me and he goes, I I don't think you're gonna get sober ever <laughs> and I go really and he was my hope he was my one hope you know and I didn't really think I was gonna get sober either I was a mess no really seriously I was completely a mess and I I, I didn't do bad court. well I did, I did I did steal your money at your house Terry I, I mean we all know the story it was funny Told a story, go to Terry's house, tell me how great I am. This guy walking around his house. And I remember I'm in his room alone. And I started praying to God because I ran out of drugs and drinking. And I God always says, go underneath these like cabinets. Go look underneath cabinets. So he had a bunch of money. And I ended up taking some of it. And God get God answered my prayers.
1: <laughs> and then
0: this, this is a true story then terry comes home and then i told terry this guy had a black leather jacket on i described the guy just like me and we went looking for him and it was me and then later he caught on and my mom had to write him a check and i had to pay my mom back and he was pissed and it was funny remember that but i did that <laughs> but i did that a few times i did that with my mom i i, I just had this like I don't know. I did that with my mom too. I totally did that. She was saving all her money for her teeth and I did the same thing. So, (laughs) so anyways, so enough of all that. So, but, so basically what happened was I'm trying to get sober and everybody's trying to help me. So this is what happened. So I was in the audience, like in an AA meeting and there was a guy named Winston and I guess Stan Winston. So, but Winston's sharing his story and Winston's still sober. He has actually a year more than me. So he still, he's still, he's sharing how he got a year and he worked all these steps and how it's changed his life. And I go, that guy's a liar. Can't stand him. He is, you know, I just went on in my head, right? Judging him. And then I said, I'm gonna do the steps too. And I'm gonna tell everybody that the steps do not work. If I work them. like I was thinking, like if I work them, and I come back and say, I really worked this 12 steps that, and I got drunk again, that that doesn't work for me. Like it won't work. Right. So I challenged myself. So I got busy. I came in, I started working the steps and I called my sponsor and I did force up pretty like immediately. And he's like, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm busy. Let's get this to it. Picked up commitments, got involved, got, you know, I just, I started going. started going really quick i mean i wasn't in the beginnings of getting sober i was still doing some stuff like i had a fake beeper on like did it work but i wanted to pretend people pretend i was maybe a drug dealer like i was kind of cool still (laughs) i pretend to wear rolex watches that were you know fake thinking like look at me like like really like i because i was had this image still i was trying to let you know that i'm pretty cool still and i started you know going around doing this but i was acting i was very active in, in in meetings i was very active got busy started doing stuff and then that's why i'm later on in life things change as you you stay sober that onion that you keep peeling over and over and over so getting sober and there were so many things like i got sober and this guy you know, I went and saw him at a church because I said, maybe help this guy at the church might help you too. So this guy gave me a Bible. And I'm like, this is like, is this going to give me money? Because it was like, I was always after the money. I always think if money, if I had some money, then everything would be okay. Right. So this guy gave me a Bible and I had no idea what the Bible was, but anyways, I took it. And I remember, and I also had another suggestion that someone told me to do God boxes. And I, I really had a problem with God. When when I got here, you know, I just, I just honestly did. And I just started writing notes to God. I started writing notes to God and I started writing notes to God. And I just started putting in all these boxes. And I remember when we ended up getting rid of all these boxes and there was like uh, three, there was like four large trunks of God boxes with stuff in it of notes to God. Cause I didn't know how to communicate. And then I started reading this Bible and then I started reading the big book and I started reading the 12 and 12. You know, and I started working the steps and I remember I read the whole Bible, right? And I didn't know what I was doing, but seven years, seven years, I did this thing of reading the Bible and I marked it. I go, I read the Bible in seven years. And then someone said, in that period of time, I developed more of a relationship with God. And I I didn't know getting sober was like me developing more of a relationship with God over and over and developing that relationship and being in touch with him. And it's kind of like when you start getting in touch with God, it's like someone will be talking to you and they'll have a problem and you could go boom. And like you have this gift from insight that you could actually help another human being. And um, I just got the chills over that because it's really true. I didn't know that I could be of service to help people. You know, I didn't know that I could get in touch with the power greater than myself. You know, that could, you know, restore me to sanity. Yes. But to also... Give me that power to be able to help other individuals. I didn't know that I had that capability at all. I didn't. I never knew that that existed. Being in Catholic school, I never knew that was even a part of anything. How much time do I have left? Just curious. Okay, that's a long time. Okay, so I didn't know that. So basically, I'm doing the God box. I'm doing the. um, I read the. I read the Bible, which was for me it was impressive. I read it already three different times, which is really super cool on that part of the spiritual journey ju- of, of journey, which I didn't know what I was reading a lot, but what I got out what I got out of that was love for some reason. And and I know that the program of AA, what I got out of that is being of service, because you know, I do we do, do a lot of church, but what I do notice when I'm in AA, I'm in around AA, I see I see it so much differently. I, I feel the presence of God here way more. And I hate to say that. And I'm telling the truth. When I'm in church, I hear it, it's great. But when I'm in the presence of an meeting, A- 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 I feel way the presence of God. Absolutely. It's amen on that one. It's completely right on. Because we're here broken, right? Because we're all broke, We're all broken. And I'm here broken. And, and when I'm here, I see people like just want to help people help them. you. You want to help your neighbor, you know? And I know each one of us at any given time, I know we're selfish. I know selfish and self-centered needs to be like smashed because I need to work on that each day. So once I get that out, then I can be able to do something. And I know each one of us at any given time, if somebody called us for help, you meet, and you didn't even like the, per, the person, but if someone wants to talk to you about alcohol, you get excited to help. I do. And I know a lot of people do too. You know, you get really excited. There's just something that this feel that you get and this energy that's incredible, right? It's just incredible. And, um, Heidi is like going like this. We ate last night. We went to go eat. Cause we eat now we go out and we eat and we ate so much food last night. Oh, but thank God I got this suit. This is my wedding suit. Actually it's really big on me. I, Lynn, before I got married, Lynn said, oh, you got to lose weight when you wear your suit, and I'm like, totally gain weight, so sh- I'm clever, we're, we're we're clever, I just go take the suit, and I go get it tailored to make it fit me, right, so I can gain that pounds, and then now it's like loose on me, like, so it kind of backfired, but anyways, we're always, we're alcoholic we always got like this little things that we do, we try to like don't know i like to manipulate sometimes try to change the outcome of things so it goes in my favor i don't know i do that sometimes you know and today at work today i had to like kind of stop myself and they you know maybe try to be of service to help employees and they three or four employees said like why are you so nice you know i'm like just trying to be a worker among workers you know because i get selfish and self-centered sometimes and it gets crazy. You know, I get like, I just become that person, you know, it's so quick, you know, I have to stop myself on a regular basis. So get, get sober. All, all this stuff goes on. I get married in sobriety, Uh, big AA bash, big thing didn't work out very well. Got a son from that beautiful son. And um, I also have a daughter. I haven't, I haven't shared about that. But when I was drinking and doing my thing, I met a lady, which I actually really liked. And she got pregnant and she had a child and she thought maybe the child was this other guy. And I just went and I was young. I was in my 20s. I was like, oh, OK, like I, I didn't really think about I, I had no idea. I couldn't even take care of myself. I just, all I want to do is party and have fun. I was like a fun, a fun person. I just wanted to go have fun. So they came to me and say, Hey, take a blood test because we think your daughter might be you because for some reason she's like walking into walls, like she's going straight into the walls. It was Ashley. And, um, I took a blood test and it was mine and it was cool. I saw my daughter for a while. It was great. And then they took off to Australia and I didn't get to see her and there was a lot of fighting. And then I had to pay this large, you know, Bill, and when I got sober, I didn't make child support payments, because I was pissed because I didn't see my daughter, you know, I was like poor me. And I was able to, you know, make amends on that. And when I got sober, that was a big deal because that was like a twenty thousand dollars thing on my license, and it was really bad. But I took care of it. Um, I have a relationship with my daughter today, and I have two granddaughters. and And her mother died. Um, I would say about fifteen years ago. Uh, about fifteen years ago, her mother died. Her mother drank too much and she fell down a flight of stairs and she hit her head and she died just like that. And the other guy that was supposed to be the parent that they thought that was, he ended up dying from a drug overdose in Australia. It was just kind of a weird situation. It was a weird, it was a weird thing. And uh, so I have a son today and I have a great relationship with my son. It wasn't, it wasn't easy in the beginning. And um, I just kept being consistent with AA has taught me. I think it's really important. When I got here, I started taking these commitments. I remember doing the uh, Monday night uh, step study meeting and I was the kitchen cleanup. And I did that for two years and it was my kitchen. I just cleaned it up. It was my kitchen and I I cleaned it up. And I um, I had so many commitments. I was GSR for like five years. And I was a secretary, I was a treasurer. And I always seemed to find meetings and I put them together, go clean them up, break them down. And I did that. And I just, I felt like it started doing that in the beginning because that stuff started to learn how to become a worker, become a good worker. And when I was about a year and a half of sobriety, I was still struggling at trying to pay my bills. And I didn't know how to pay the IRS and the state, like with my daughter and stuff too. And uh, I was a little bit disturbed, and I left a meet- I left a meeting and some guy followed me on the parking lot, and then he said, "Hey, are you okay?" I go, "No, I'm not. I don't really have a job." And I almost started crying. And he goes, "Hey, I have a job for for you. I think you're ready for it." And so I started working in this restaurant that I worked in San Juan for 18 years. It was a cafe Mozart with European continental Food. And I worked there and I worked there for 18 years, and it was great. It was great. I worked there. It was great. Uh, it was a little rough. I think he put me in more, you know, how to show up to work and do that. It was a little tough, you know, but I did because funny now, because I worked in this restaurant now and I show up and I'm always there and I become this guy that's reliable and I'm just a reliable guy. I show up, you know, but I will tell you before I got sober, I worked at another restaurant and they brought me in and they fired me. And I couldn't believe that they fired me. Well, I had a half ounce of cocaine in my pocket, true story. And I was walking around work uh, giving everybody cocaine, you know. And the guy said, "We got you on video." But he liked me. He goes, "I like you, but I'm just gonna let you go." But we got you on video giving everybody cocaine, right? And uh, but we just have to let you go. And but he goes. I want to tell you something before you go. You have 167 absences from work the last couple of years. I guess that's good because that's bad. 167—that's a lot. Like I was late. I was late. Never show up because I just didn't care. Like if my bills weren't paid, it was like, well, that's someone else's responsibility. Don't they don't they know who I am? Right. <laughs> I kind of lived that attitude for a long time, but that doesn't work today, right, Lynn? No, it doesn't work. <laughs> so that was just a little story there. But anyway, so um, all this stuff that, that's going on. So I'll, I had this job and it was really helpful. I was able to, you know, clear up my, you know, I was able to, to, to do stuff. Couldn't drive a car. I had a bike and then I had to get, I had a car, but I had it in someone else's name because I had these two, these two wives. And it's hard to get insurance and it's too much. And so we kind of like did this thing. And then all suddenly I got into I had some money. And then I was driving this really nice Bronco and looked really cool. I think it was my brother's Bronco, that really nice one. And then my sponsor says, Have you paid your child support? I'm like, No. But I I said, No, but I think I deserve this car because I have a job now. And he goes, No, give it back. So I had to give it back. I had to drive this Saturn with like oil in the car. Like if you lit it on fire, it'd probably blow up. And I drove the Saturn and then I was able to later get my first new car, which was so exciting. And then I've had a car ever since, but I buy them new because I hate, because I've, I've had so much trauma with old cars that it just freaks me out. So so yeah, yeah, I think you relate to that. I always have to get a new car before it runs out. I need to get the warranty back package, so. Um, so I had that job, and then I started a, a nonprofit, and and that went well for a while. And then, you know, to give back, help helping, you know, in schools, and I did that. I had that little bit of doing doing things, um, which was super exciting. I went to Washington. I was on TV. I, I don't know, but I realized after all that, what I went through it was a big hype of me and things that I was doing. It it just it distant me from my relationship from God. It just made it. It just made it a lot different. And, um, and I got really humbled by my experience there. And then I started working at this, this restaurant job and really like it. I'm working with young kids and I'm able to get back there. I'm able to talk with them. And I've learned, I've learned a lot about addictions. I've learned a lot about these young kids all have families that have gone through so much with their own parents. And I get to hear their stories. I get to listen and i give to not really give much direction if they want it and then i will i will will let it help and i and i I realized this amount of time of sobriety and i I say the time of sobriety and what i've learned from this journey is that i try not to give like my two cents but just try to listen and give a little bit of advice maybe if they ask but i try not to control everybody I, when I was, when I was new, I was trying to control everybody and try to like, to, you know, I had a group of guys and this is how you sit, this is what you do. And this is, you know, I was like crazy, you know, I was, cause I thought I was like, I was the power and I was the one that was controlling everybody's outcome of what their journey is and how they're gonna, going to stay sober. And that was far from the case. I am no God. I am none of that at all. I'm just, that God uses me as an instrument to be able to help other people. And I think that's what we all learn. here. You know, we're all, we're all equal. There's nobody that's, and I had to be humbled. And I got really humbled this last couple of years before I even got married. I got really humbled when me and Lynn, before I got, before me and Lynn got back together, I got humbled. I was sitting in a hotel room, pissed off. We broke up one more time and I had to take a look at myself. And I had to make some changes and I did. And then I said, we're going to get married. And she says, no, we're not. And then I said, okay. And then one day she said, we're getting married. I said, okay. And then there we go. But anyways, I just want to say, this is a good ride. This is a good journey. This is a great time to be sober after all the stuff that's going on in the world. I've been praying every night for peace in the world. I mean, I've been praying for people. I've, I've been praying a lot. I have a prayer thing that I do. And I just, I pray out. And I just pray and I'm far, you know what? And sometimes I go through my journal of prayers. A lot of them come true. Mostly all of them have come true, to be honest with you. There's very little that's really not, that has not been answered, you know? And and I really hope that you get in touch with this power and really just, you know, just find God. And I found God, you know? Two minutes, quick story, really quick. This is where it all turned for me with God. So basically, I want to show the story because this is where it all happened. First day of sobriety. First day, one day. I'm at the Laguna Beach Canyon Club. And uh, I'm hearing uh, Scott, Scott Redmond. You guys know who Scott Redman is? Great speaker. Great speaker. He's sharing. He's talking about his spatula. I'm laughing. That's all I heard. All I heard, day one, his spatula that he owned. That's all he owned. And he, he made me laugh something opened up <clears throat> went down to the beach this guy named howard who ended up dying from from this disease i am following this girl wearing white plants blonde named cynthia following her because everybody followed her i followed her
1: <laughs> <laughs> i was eyeing in
0: on that and howard blocked me and he goes hey hey you have alcoholism like, what are you what are you talking about he goes you have a disease like what are you talking about he goes Stop, I mean, I'm chasing her. He goes, you have alcoholism. You're suffering from alcoholism. And he goes, get on your knees and pray and ask God for help. And I go, yeah. and ask God for help. The one who has all power, that one is God, may you find him now. Cynthia got in my car, which was someone else's car, but I was, I was driving it. And I'm driving her home. She's sitting at the thing. And Cynthia goes, would you like to come in? I go, No. I want, to, I want to go home and do this power and get on my knees and ask, you know, whatever I did. Drove home, got on my knees, asked God, lightning. I don't know what it was, but I felt peace. One day, felt peace. I let that go. If I would have went back in that house, I mean, who would not? I mean, come on, tell me. One day, sobriety, you got a girl, I. you don't go in? I gave that up. I gave that I gave that up on day one and not go in that house to go get sobriety. And I think God gave me that grace, and I've been subversive since. And I got on my knees and I asked God for help. That was it. Boom. So 18th, 1996. Thank you.